Hello, church. It's good to see you. Thank you for all your prayers. Uh, several of you have said, you, did you make it back all right? I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm, 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 I'm right in front of you. Uh, yes, yes. Um, I, I guess I never even thought that that might concern you, but thank you for praying. I, that's what I do. Uh, I, I go and I talk and I come back and I speak and I run and duck the rocks and run again and do the same thing. So it's good to be with you. I'm glad to be back. We've got a ton of work. I need to address the teens for a minute and especially the middle school. Um, we're, we're aware that the mic is popping and making noises. That's all right. That's, uh, we're, we're assuming the Holy Spirit is doing something, but that's... Um, some of you submitted uh, questions, I believe, especially from the middle school, but I got them a day late after the notes were made, and we've got a ton of stuff to get through, but they were good questions. We're not putting you off. Uh, yeah, we are, actually. Um, we're not ignoring you. Sorry. Uh, they're good questions. We're holding them, and next week we will get to them, all right? So again, apologies. I didn't get them until the notes were done. That's what I get for writing things ahead of time. Uh, I, we didn't get any questions from the adults, which uh, I guess is good. Uh, may mean you agree with everything or you've given up. One of the two. <laughs> we, are, we are moving down a stream. Remember, we started this entire metaphor with going down to the river for baptism. And we are in a river of faith, a story river that has moved us through time. And all of a sudden, we hit two rocks in the middle of the stream. What do you do? What do you do when you come upon rocks there that you were not expecting? Well, that's what happens when you read your Bible and you find out what God thinks about women all the way through and you find out about leadership roles in a church and leadership roles in life. And you, you find, for example, as we detailed last week, we won't do a lot of this. We'll do it very quickly. Women led in life and in worship and in community all through the Old Testament. We saw those scriptures. We saw in the New Testament that women helped with Jesus and his, his ministry. He complimented them first and in public. He spoke to them, in fact, in public, regardless of the rules of the day, which were that men did not speak to women in public, and rabbis never talked to women in public, but Jesus did. And then Peter preached in Acts 2, in Acts 2, verses 17 and 18, as we read, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Yes, in the early church, we find women in prominent positions in the early church. Philip's daughters, four daughters, preached right alongside him in his mission work. Phoebe is called a deacon. The only person expressly called a deacon in Scripture is a woman, Phoebe. She carried the book of Romans to Rome, and she probably, the word there for carry and bring, indicates, generally speaking, the one who reads the book. So she would have read them the book of Romans. Junia is called not only an apostle, but highly esteemed among the apostles. Paul spends time in 1 Corinthians in helping women and men know how to speak and sing and pray in the assembly. And then all of a sudden, you round the corner in this big old river, and there are two big rocks. And we read them last week, 1 Corinthians 14, 34, and 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. 
where the woman is to be silent. She is not to have authority over a man. And she is not to speak in these ways. And you go, what? This is what's called a plot twist. This is not what we were expecting. What, what's going on here? And that's, that is the question. People have asked how long this series is going to go. I'm not even sure we can get through the notes today. But we're, we're not going to be talking about this on Palm Sunday and Easter. We're going to stop by then. And if we have to come back to it, we'll come back to it. We got time. Maybe. Lord could come back. Do you remember those sermons? When I was a boy, every sermon was the Lord could come back before this sermon ends. And I'm thinking, you know, the odds are pretty good. <laughs> Way to go out on a limb there. Um, it's not exactly putting Harvard in your bracket. Um, or Dayton, sorry, those of you that were planning to give half of your billion to the church today. And by the way, we would have taken it. We would have. I've had people say, no, that's the fruit of gambling. Don't care, thanks. <laughs> what do we do when we run upon these two rocks in the stream? We will not let two rocks change the direction of the stream. But neither will we ignore them and act like, no rocks here, nothing to see. We're going to pay attention to this. We take Scripture seriously. We're not going to ignore them. Have you ever traveled by water? Have you ever traveled long river journeys or off to the ocean? Rocks are important. You want to know where the rocks are. And so what do we do with rocks? We, we don't say, it's very important you go over and examine that rock. What we do is we put a big light on it, don't we? And we put a, 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 a rotating light, a pulsing light. We also put a radio beacon saying, there's a rock here. Pay attention to the rock so that you can stay in the stream. These rocks aren't to drive us out and women out of here. We need to, it's to they're, they're keep us on a path. We just got to figure out what this is. We need to remember how revolutionary Jesus was. Jesus did not preach what they expected him to preach, and he, who, he was not who they expected him to be. And that was a source of constant uh, confusion and disappointment for the people. He included women. He spoke to them. He went in search of the Samaritan woman, the first person to know that Jesus would be born of a virgin and how that was all going to work was his mother, probably about a 14-year-old girl, from the words being used there. The first woman to be told that he was the Messiah was a Samaritan woman. Not a man, a woman. He went in search of the unclean woman with an issue of blood. And while she was breaking the law, God in the flesh said, no, you got the law wrong and called her daughter and protected her. These were revolutionary acts. These were some of the reasons why Jesus was nailed to a tree, by the way. It wasn't all because they didn't like Jesus' teaching about God. It was also the way he treated people that they felt should be kept excluded. They nailed him to a cross for it. When we read these things, we need to remember, you weren't allowed to do these. And people said, that was God. God said, you can't do these things. Do you remember the Hosea story? A priest cannot 
be around a woman like this. A priest cannot be near some. And God says, go marry her. And when it didn't work out, he said, go marry her again. God has a different view about purity and righteousness and what is proper than you and I do. Than even a lot of folk who work for God did or do. He has a different view. So we got to look at these rocks. We're pulled up short when we see them, when we say, why? And one of the first things that happens whenever we read these is people say, but, but Paul is tying it into theology because he's bringing up the creation story. Do you remember that? In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, for, he makes an explanation, Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who became deceived and became a sinner. Well, people say that ties it into theology, the creation story, that trumps everything else in the stream. Not really, because it's followed by verse 15. Did you ever read verse 15? I, don't, I didn't ask him to put it up. It says a woman is saved in childbirth. That's how she's saved. Um, anybody want to preach that? Anybody want to talk about and say, yeah, that's plain scripture. It means that, that I guess baptism's optional for them as long as they give birth. But they're saved by giving birth. Some people read that and they get so confused, they decide, I just don't like Paul anymore. Don't do that. Don't do that. I understand that. I even have a book in my office called Jesus I Have Loved But Paul. Don't go there. Is Paul indicating that Eve is inferior because she was made after Adam? I have a problem with this because Adam wasn't made first either. God made crickets and birds before he made Adam. So if the order in which you were made shows how valuable you are, Adam's not that great. <laughs> was, was she inferior because she sinned? So did Adam. And in fact, Adam sinned first, not in eating the fruit first. But God gave him a rule. Do you remember that God said in the, in the, uh, the King James, dress and keep the garden? people think, well, that just means, you know, pull out the weeds and that sort of thing. No, no, the word, let me, let me flash forward. Do you remember when they got kicked out and God put angels there with swords to protect the garden and make sure that Adam and Eve didn't get back in? That word with the sword to guard the garden was the same word he gave Adam. He was telling Adam, there are dangers out there. There's a snake. You protect this place. And Adam didn't. Hard to believe, ladies. But Adam became distracted. <laughs> Men do that. They do. They will look at you and they mean it. They will say, I love you. You mean more to me than anything. And, oh, red car. That was. <laughs> Adam failed in his responsibility to keep the snake out of the garden and to keep Eve from forming a relationship with the snake. That did not take place over an afternoon, people. Eve, Adam and Eve were made in their perfect um, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical prime. She would have been highly intelligent. It had taken a long time for that snake to worry his way in, and Adam didn't do his job. 
But even though Adam sinned, that didn't keep men from using these passages to exclude women for hundreds of years and to say evil things about women. And while women are seen in Scripture, speaking, teaching, engaging as equals in all aspects of worship and ministry, in the first 200 years of the church, we see changes come in as the culture transforms the church rather than the church transforming the culture and accepting a platonic, a Greek idea of the superiority of men and importing that into the church under the laws of Constantine, who formalized and regulated the church. So how bad did this get? Are you ready? I didn't get all of them up because I don't want them up. Clement of Alexandria, who is known as one of the great church fathers, said women should blush that they are the same gender as Eve. Oh, Tertullian wrote one woman. We have his letter. Are you ignorant that you are an Eve? The sentence of God still lives upon your sex, even in this present age. And of necessity, the guilt lives on too. You are the devil's gateway. You are the unsealer of that tree. You are the first destroyer of divine law. You are she who persuadest him whom the devil was unwilling to attack directly. Well, there you go, ladies. That's the way these men who formed around the first few hundred years of the church accepted the rules of their pagan society about women and imported them into the church. That's where the rock begins to make us go, what's going on? Men grabbed this passage, especially the Timothy passage, and ran with it, even verse 15 about the childbirth, about experiencing pain in childbirth. Many doctors, even in America, up until the early 1900s, refused to give pain medication to women during childbirth because they didn't want to go against God's law that she was to experience pain. Are you aware of that? It's in medical history. It's easy to find. Very easy to find. They believed that women were still bearing the guilt of Eve's sin and that even treating women with dignity and respect was a bad sign. By the way, if you're thinking, oh, those Christians, they got that from the pagans. Confucius. A lot of people love the East. They'll think, oh, I follow the wise sayings of Confucius. Confucius thought so little of women and thought they were so awful that before that time in Chinese society, men and women were equal in every aspect. After that time, women were hidden, feet bound, looked down, kimono, I mean, the whole thing. And doctors could no longer treat women by touching them. They had little dolls, and the women were to pick up the doll and point to the area of their body where they hurt. Christians just absorbed this from the pagans. It's time Christians gave it back. And we got back in the river of faith. But it goes further. By the way, medical science, why do they refer to a woman having, if we put it delicately, having her engine pulled as a hysterectomy? Well, I'm sorry, I don't know how many little kids are here. I'm, I'm trying to be careful. I'm being subtle uh, the best I can, all right? Why do they call it a hysterectomy? 
Well, because doctors believed that because women had that organ, that's where they got all flaky from. That's where hysteria came from. It's the same word. You remove the cause of their hysteria. Ouch. It's wrong on every level. And even to this day, medical science, they're still putting out papers. It is hard for women to be treated seriously at the doctor. Ladies, right? Doctors, even female doctors don't take you as seriously, do they? There's, by the way, there is, let me give you a tip. There is one reason, many reasons, but there's one you can fix. When women go to the doctor, they get pretty first. Don't do that. Men get up, their hair's all over the place, they're covered with oozings, and they, they, they just put on stuff, and they crawl in, and they just go, doctor, and he takes them seriously. Women do their hair, do their makeup, make sure everything matches, accessorize right, and then they're nice. Doctor says, how are you? They'll say, fine. They're done. <coughs> Don't do that. Second clue, by the way, ladies, as soon as he walks in the door or she walks in the door, get off the table, get between them and the door. I'm serious. And stay there until you get satisfaction or until they need a doctor. All right, done. Martin Luther, the hero of the Reformation, said about the pain and stress that women go through during childbirth, quote, if women become tired, even die. It does not matter. Let them die in childbirth. That is what they are here for. Can anybody in this room imagine Jesus Christ saying anything like that? If so, you don't know Jesus. Because when Jesus was here, he didn't do things like that. It's just shocking. How, how could somebody be so cold and so callous? Because they read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, took it out of context and said, it is plainly written in God's law, the same way people do verses 11 and 12, and the same way they do 1 Corinthians 14. They decide the rock matters and the stream does not. God forgive us for doing such things. Besides, people say, but this is so plain. It cannot be what you think it means. It cannot mean what you think it means when it disregards the rest of the, the river, the rest of Scripture. For example, Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 17 through 22. And I know you're thinking, yes, Ezekiel, finally. Is it? It's an interesting book. Um, the Orthodox Jews won't let you read Ezekiel till you're 30 because they say it'll disturb young minds. But the, here we go. He withholds his hand from mistreating the poor, takes no interest and profit from them. He keeps my laws and follows my decrees. He will not die for his father's sin. He will surely live. But his father will die for his own sin because he practiced extortion, robbed his brother, and did what was wrong among his people. About to get to the meat of it, you ask, why does the son not share the guilt of his father? Since the son has done what is just and right and has been careful to keep all my decrees, he will surely live. And here you go. The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent. Ladies, you are not Eve. Nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. Mom and dad, you're off the hook. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, 
and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. Can this be any plainer? If a wicked person turns away from all the sins they have committed and keeps all my decrees and does what is just and right, that person will surely live. They will not die. So if you were an Eve, you're all right if you repent. We would have to throw this away if we decide to hold the rocks and leave the river. Is First Timothy saying that women have to remain silent because of something the first woman did? Then what do we do with that passage? Then this one now becomes a rock, and all the other ones become a rock. You really have a choice. You can have two rocks, or you can have a, a several hundred rocks. We're going to deal with the rocks. Don't, don't panic. We may not deal with them today because... It's moving on. Paul says, for example, they'll say, but Paul says sin and death came through Eve. Um, actually, he didn't. You've misread 1 Timothy chapter 2. And to prove it, I'll show you what Paul did say about where sin and death came from. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 and 22. For since death came through a Oh, a man. The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Does Paul mean in Timothy to lock the creation story around Eve and condemn women for that because they're the ones who brought sin in then why did he write that? Or, let's, let's, there's more. How about Romans chapter 5? I said, why did he write that? And they flashed back to a picture of me. And, um, <laughs> Romans 5, verses 11, uh, rather 12 through 14. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this same way death came to all people, because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam. Who broke the command? Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. You can't use the creation story is an excuse to silence women because it doesn't work. Paul uses it against the men. Paul, before discussing men and women in 1 Timothy chapter 2, reminds us that we preach a gospel of grace and forgiveness. Look at this out of first, the chapter before, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Did God come here to put you in a box because your ancestors sinned? Or did he come to burn the boxes because he came to save us all? So what do we do with the rocky passages? We'll learn this truth. Even the clearest statements of Scripture, when removed from their linguistic and historical context, are pretext. Text without context 
is pretext. Learn that. Get it in your head. That's what we mean by helicoptering in and out and grabbing verses. If we arrogantly speak, if I just read it and I just believe it, you can't do that consistently. You're going to have to ignore a lot of other passages in Scripture. You're going to have to instead say, we have to interpret everything, because we do. And our interpretations will sometimes vary. My wife tells me there are more than six colors. I'm basically, you know, I'll walk in and say, that's blue. She'll say, no, that's Williamsburg eggshell colonial post-talk thing. I, and she'll come home with books. What are those color wheels? Seriously? I could write it on a notepad just right there. It's blue, there's red, there's... But we see color different. Why? She has different eyes than I do. You have different eyes than I do. As a group, we're going to work on this. We're going to figure this out. But don't tell me you just read it and believe it. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 tells you to pray for kings every day. Do you? You go, no, no, they had kings, but we don't. Wait a minute, what else was going on in First Timothy chapter 2 with them that isn't with you that could cause verses 11 and 12 as well? Or do you go ahead and pray for kings anyway? If I remember correctly, some of your lot shot them. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, not the king himself. The musket didn't have quite that range. But um, what about this? Um, it says to pray for all in authority. Did you pray for Putin this morning? Some of you did. Thank you. And I say pray for, not smite him. That's pray about. That's a different kind of prayer. Uh, the same verse says we are to live peaceful and quiet lives. Men are to live peaceful and quiet lives. And guess what the word quiet there is? The exact same word translated silent in verse 11 for women. And it is a command to men. So if it means in verse 11 a woman can't speak, men are not allowed to speak ever. Ladies, no amens here, please. On that one, don't speak. I'm just asking. It's not a command. Not a command. We just all have to get out of here alive. Are men to pray with their hands raised? Well, that chapter says so. Do you? If you say, well, that's not what it means is, well, then we can also do that with verses 11 and 12. Don't say these verses are immune from interpretation. All other things are interpreted. Are women allowed to, same chapter, style their hair? Have nice-looking hair, accessories, jewelry, and the like? Um, yes, we say. Paul says, don't let that be your beauty, and he goes on to the point where some religions won't let women have jewelry or cut their hair. We say they've misunderstood that, and I agree. I think people have misunderstood verses 11 and 12 as well. Are women saved by bearing children? Well, then what about barren children? Women who never got married for their own choice or because nobody chose. These people, what, what are we going to do? Or how about people who can't have children because of physiological issues or psychological issues? We would say, no, 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 that's not what that means. And you're right, that's not what that means. But if you don't know what was going on in Ephesus... And you read that just plainly and ignore the rest of Scripture. Underline that. 
ignore the rest of Scripture, you get into this problem. Paul was referencing something specific going on in Ephesus, and we're going to talk about that. But we don't have time to get there today. Don't, don't get too excited. I have a couple more things to go over, though. If we trot over to the Corinthians passages, it doesn't get any better, by the way. Are women allowed to pray without a head covering? 1 Corinthians 11, verse 5. We say yes. Well, then we interpreted that verse too. How does that work with the whole pray without ceasing thing? Paul also said pray without ceasing. He also told women not to pray without their heads covered. Does that mean that women may never remove a hat? Interesting. Don't grab these verses and start ramming them together. It doesn't work. You've got to look at the whole river. If they, we could go on. Man, First uh, Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14 says, Paul says, a man having long hair is a shame. And by the way, the word shame there is the same word he uses in Romans that is translated abomination about homosexual acts. Do you believe that having long hair is... Do we want to even start that discussion right now? We have enough on the plate, you think? We look at that and we say, well, maybe Paul wasn't really equating the two. Maybe there was something else going on. Yes, there was. He also says women having short hair is a shame. May as well be shaved, he says. Because in their culture, that's what it meant. What about women today who are undergoing chemo for breast cancer? Are they shamed? Are they not allowed to pray? What about women with alopecia? It's a physiological, it's a disease that, it's not even a disease, it's a condition that causes uh, hair to fall out. Are, are there exceptions to Paul's statements? That's an interesting question, isn't it? And I think all of us would say, of course there are. Paul made exceptions. By the way, that's why these two passages are rocks. They don't fit with the rest of the stream. If we take them as written, we have to invalidate a huge number of other scriptures, rather like those that take the belief statements in scripture and ignore baptism. You can't do that. You got to look at all of them. Confused? Upset? I get that. But there's a cure for that. Paul gave it to us. He gave it to us a few different ways. When he said, the only, remember what we read together last week, the only thing that matters is faith professing itself through love. Do you remember that? Do you remember Paul also said only three things remain? You get confused, only three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is, church, love. And then he said this in Corinthians, on both sides of that troublesome passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, He's talking about what happens if you get confused. What happens if it gets out of line? I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom. In other words, eloquence with the right words. As I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing, know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Then the next passage. For I received what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And that, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom were still living, though some have fallen asleep. 
Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Paul says, if you get confused, just fall back on this. All we know and all we profess is Jesus Christ crucified, raised the third day, and who left with us faith, hope, and love.